Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, we continued our series through the book of James. All of us play the blame game from time to time, even when it comes to our sin. In this passage, James helps us identify where the blame lies when it comes to temptation and what we should do in response. Follow along to see what James has to say. Hello again. If we haven't met, maybe you're new. Welcome. Uh, My name is Dallas, like Texas, like the Cowboys, like the Mavericks. I've never been to Texas, and I don't really care for any of those teams, but that's my name, all right? It's my uh, God-given, parent-given name. So we have been in a series for the last, this is week three, uh, so for the last three weeks uh, in the book of James. So you can go ahead and turn there in your Bible. We're still in James chapter one. You haven't missed too much. The first week, if you remember, we kind of did an intro to James. We talked about who the author was. It's a guy named James, all right? Surprise, surprise. We said that this was a letter that James wrote, and he wrote it to a certain group of people. We talked about that, his, his audience, and some of his purposes for writing the book uh, or this letter. And then we talked last week about, um, still from the book of James, in the first few chapters, about what to do when we experience trials and hard things, difficulties, tests in life. We talked about that. And so if you want to hear either one of those messages, you can always go go back. Uh, we're, we're live streaming this right now, so you can go back and watch it or listen to it on YouTube, uh, and we've got it where podcasts are found as well. This morning, we are going to uh, not really skip down because we did cover verse 12 last week, but we're going to move down to verses 13 through 18, and as we uh, are turning there, as we're getting there, I want to ask you guys if you've ever done something. It is this uh, little game I like to call the blame game. Have you ever played the blame game before? What I mean by this, it's not like an actual board game, okay, that you ask for for Christmas or something or for your birthday, but the blame game being, so I I have a sister, okay, so when I was growing up, she's younger than me, she's, we're like a year and a half apart, so we're pretty close, okay, and anytime something bad would happen in the house or we would get into a fight and my parents were not around, you know that as soon as my parents found out what happened and they're asking what happened, especially when we were younger, our fingers were very quickly like pointed at each other, right? Like, Alex started it. No, Dallas started it. No, she hit me first. She scratched me first. She, she did so much to me, guys. Uh, but she would turn on me, right? No, like, he just sat on my leg or whatever it was, right? Some silly thing that I did. And it was always a blame game, always pointing it. Uh, pointing the finger at somebody else. How many of you have ever done that before with a sibling? Or, good, we're starting out on some, well, some of you are not being honest. So uh, I I see quite a few hands, but some of you have them down. Maybe you've done it with a sibling, or maybe you've actually said, like, no, mom, it's your fault, right? Ooh, you, yeah, you better, you better watch yourself if you do that, okay? Or you've done it to your dad. Actually, some of you would never do it to your dad, okay? Because you already know what would happen if you blamed your dad for something, right? Dad's coming home from work. It's been a long day. You better not. Don't blame him, okay? And uh, just just do as he says. That's My boys are, like, slowly uh, doing that. Like, they'll, they'll take advantage of mom, but when dad gets home and they've been with mom all day, it's like, they just listen to me. I don't need, like, I'm not even, like, that harsh with them or anything, but they, they just listen. It's kind of beautiful. Um, so we, we've played this blame game all the time. I was talking with my friend Tim, uh, who's over at North Hills. He's a youth pastor at North Hills, and he's got two boys who are a little bit older than, than mine. So I think his oldest is in, like, first or second grade, and his youngest is, is um, in, in pre-K. And I was talking to Tim, and we don't we don't have, like, how many of you guys have cameras around your, like, security camera kind of things around your house? Anybody? Like a ring doorbell, or you got something like that? So, Tim, apparently, I've never been to his house, some friend that he is inviting me, right? But 
he's apparently got a lot of cameras, like inside and outside of his house, for, just for security purposes. Uh, he's even got like a camera in the living room that he can talk through, right? And so we were on a trip together in April, and he pulled up this, this image, uh, this moving image, a video uh, of his family. And I was like, this is kind of creepy, Tim. And then he started talking to them through the, the microphone. I was like, this just got even creepier. But I guess it's also kind of nice. You can see what your family's doing, make sure they're, they're okay. But anyway, they have cameras like on the outside of their house, inside of their house. And there's been a couple of times where his boys will be wrestling and parents aren't in the room and they'll like knock into a table and knock something off and like break a picture frame or something, right? Not a, not a huge deal. But mom and dad inevitably come into the room. They've heard the crash. They've heard the smash. And they're like, hey, who, who did it, right? Like, just all you got to do is just tell us who did it. Uh, nobody's, like, going to get seriously in trouble. But inevitably, they both point the fingers. Well, now, with the cameras in their house, they can actually go back and rewatch. like, hey, who actually did bump into the table? And was it even because they were fighting, or was it just because somebody was goofing off? And they can find. So it's gotten to the point. Now, I guess they have cameras in the living room, maybe the kitchen, but there are not cameras in the bedroom, all right, thankfully. There's not cameras in the bedroom, but the boys think that there are cameras in the bedroom, okay? So when they've gotten in trouble in their bedrooms and mom and dad have confronted them, they have started this thing where they just say, like, they'll either, one, be honest, okay, because they know, well, mom and dad can check the cameras anyway, or they'll say, hey, he did it, and you can check the cameras to prove it, okay? So there's, like, no, uh, there's so much honesty in this house now and almost no blaming because they know mom and dad can just check. In fact, they can hear what I said. If I say that, you know, he said this thing and that I didn't start it, like they can even hear what I said and they know what the truth is at all times, right? That's pretty awesome. But we know that for most of us, that's, that's not how, how life is, right? There's not just cameras that we can say, hey, go look back at the footage or listen back to the recording on everything we say. And so we often take advantage of that and we point the fingers and we blame. And maybe some of it's in some silly situations. Maybe some of it's just in some fights or tussles with our siblings. But sometimes it's in more serious situations, kind of like the one that James is addressing today. And maybe you have been tempted to blame others for what James is gonna talk about this morning. Uh, But maybe you've also been tempted to blame God or maybe even tempted to blame the devil for some of this. What we're going to read about in these few verses today in James is actually what we do when we are tempted to sin and what we do when we inevitably fall into sin at times. Like we all make mistakes. Maybe that's something we just need to out, and I think that James is outing it for us and outing it for his original audience. That we all make mistakes, that we all find ourselves in moments when we are tempted to sin. Which sin, like the really kind of cheesy, maybe it's too elementary school, but it's a really easy way to think about what sin is, if you're not familiar with it, is anything that breaks God's heart or disobeys God's law. That's how I've always thought of sin. Anything that breaks God's heart or disobeys God's law. And inevitably, you and I are going to find ourselves in places where we are tempted to do that. And the, the fact that we're tempted isn't necessarily a sin, but it's when we give in to that temptation that it is a sin. And James is talking about that. When you find yourself in a place like that, have you ever, remember we talked about tests and trials and how God uses those things to mold and shape us? Well, what about when you find yourself maybe even in the midst of one of those tests and trials and now you've been tempted to sin and you fall? Have you ever thought, man, like why did God put me in this situation? Maybe you you haven't said it like this, but you kind of thought, like why why did God tempt me? Why did God make me sin there? Or maybe on the other side, you've been like, uh, why did 
like, why did the devil do that? The devil, he's so, he's so crafty. Or why, why did the enemy just whisper that lie into my ear? He, he made me sin. Or maybe kind of the, the third option that is, uh, is common with us. There's kind of a fourth, too. We'll get to in a minute. But maybe you've blamed somebody else. Like, hey, you put me in this situation. My friend put me in this situation. Or my sibling or my whoever it is, fill in the blank for you. We, we play this blame game not just with the silly things in life, but sometimes even with the most serious things of life, like our sin. Let's read through, again, it's just 13 to 18. We're kind of going to read each verse and stop and talk about what it means and see what James says about our sin and really who it is that we should be blaming. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. That's what we just said. When you're you're tempted to sin, sometimes we blame God. Like, God, why have you put me in this spot? Why are you the one tempting me? But James says, for God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. So right off the bat, James, James Strait tells us, hey, if you're blaming God, he's not the one to blame. God doesn't tempt us. Now, now he may have us in situations or allow us to be in situations where we, we may be tempted, but he's not the one who's actually bringing the temptation into our life. Do you see the difference? Jesus was led into the desert, if you remember this story, by the Holy Spirit. Like, God, God himself was leading Jesus into the desert for 40 days. He fasted for all those days. And then who steps into the situation and actually provides the temptation? At that point, it was Satan. There's other instances in the scriptures that we could talk about when it comes to temptation. But the point is that God is not the one who tempts us. God is not the one who hangs this thing in front of you and says, hey, let's see if you bite. That's not, that's not who God is. That's not how he works. James says God is not the tempter. Verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by God. No, we already said that's not the case. By Satan? No. By other people? No. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Here's what happens in temptation. Is that inevitably in this life, in this broken world, we, we have desires that have the ability to be met by sinful things. What, what pulls us in? What draws us in? It's these things in life that each one of us, for some of us, it's different. For some of us, it's things that, <clears throat> that we're tempted by when we're alone, by ourselves, middle of the night. We think nobody's watching. We think nobody knows. For others of us, it's when we get in situations where, hey, well, my entire group of friends is already talking about this person, so maybe I should jump in. Or we're tempted to believe certain things about ourselves. We're tempted to talk back to our parents. We're tempted to get in fights with our siblings. Each of us has a different kind of set of desires. And here's what temptation is. It's like it's putting out the bait. How many of you have ever been fishing before? Yeah. How many of you have ever eaten fish before? How many of you are allergic to fish? Wow. Always an interesting, interesting question. But if you know anything about fishing, right, here's the way fishing works is you put some sort of bait on the end of the line. And each bait is, is different. Like there's different types of bait to lure different types of fish. 
And in a similar way, there's kind of different types of bait in this life that lures different kinds of people who have different kinds of desires. And so you put some bait on the line if you want to catch a bass and other bait on the line if you want to catch a trout and a different whole setup, really, if you want to catch like a shark or do some deep sea fishing kind of thing. Like, but but it's, it lures in. It says, hey, doesn't this look nice to the fish? And the fish says, yeah, actually, that does look tasty. That looks like a worm, right? That's, I don't know if that's how fish talk, but maybe some of them. <clears throat> but, but they're lured in. They're, they're enticed. Their desire for food gets at them. And then ultimately, as soon as that fish wraps its mouth around the bait and, whether they know it or not, the hook, if you're a good fisherman, as soon as you kind of feel a little pull, you tug, yank the hook into their mouth and pull the fish out, and now you get yourself a tasty meal or a nice trophy, Right? And in some way, that's what temptation is doing. In, the, in this broken world, that there are things that can fulfill our desires, that maybe, maybe the desire is bad, but maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe the desire is, isn't even bad. Maybe it's a good desire. But there are sinful things that are tempting us in this world, and they're, they're baiting us. Like, hey, doesn't this look nice? Wouldn't this fulfill you? Wouldn't this satisfy that desire that you have? And again, for each of us is different, but it's like a lure, it's a hook, and as soon as like we wrap our hand around it, or maybe it is, we're, we're like biting it, some, like, like food, as soon as our, our mind starts to wrap around it, it hooks us. But it's not God that puts out the temptation. And, you know, James, James doesn't specifically say it's not the devil, but here's what I want to be careful with when we talk about the, the devil is the one who tempted me. I think that sometimes the devil, and he seems to have some sort of army with him, right? Sometimes we call them his, his minions or whatever. I think sometimes maybe, maybe there are some, some spiritual beings who are tempting you, who are whispering some things in your ear. But, but here's what I want to be very careful about, is I know people who blame every single temptation on the devil. And I just think that's given him too much credit. We often think about God like this. God is all-powerful, he's omnipotent, right? He, 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 he knows everything, he's, he can be everywhere. Uh, and, and we think that, that the devil is his opposite and that he can do the same thing, that he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that he can be everywhere. And so here's how this tracks, right? If everybody in the world is being tempted by Satan at the same time, doesn't that mean that he can be like anywhere and everywhere? It's all-powerful, but that's not who he is. That's not who the scripture describes him as. The devil is a a fallen angel who is nowhere near as powerful as God. But we think it's like this, this God is the superhero, right? It's It's probably Marvel and DC that's done this to us at this point. We think that God is the superhero who has all these good powers, and there's an equal force known as Satan or the devil who has like some of those powers as well, but ultimately good wins over evil, right? No, no, no. The devil is very small. And very weak in comparison to God. So when you're tempted and you want to blame Satan, I want to remind you of these verses that James just said. Here's what he, what he says. is Every time it's not the devil, it's definitely not God. God doesn't tempt. It's our own flesh desires. It's our flesh that is tempted and, and tempts us. And as long as we're in this world, We're going to have this battle with it. As long as we're in these fleshy bodies, we're going to have this battle with temptation. So, don't blame God 
for your temptations. Don't blame God for the outcomes of, of your temptations. If you fail, it's not God's fault. He wasn't the one who tempted you. We have to start looking at ourselves and in some ways saying, hey, no, that one's on me. In some ways, it's our responsibility. It's our doing. We're the ones who have fallen to temptation. So what do we do? That's not great. That's not fun to admit. It's not fun to take the blame. How do I know? Because we all said that we play this blame game. None of us want to take responsibility. In fact, that's a huge, we could get on a soapbox about that, but that's a huge issue in our society, period. Nobody wants to take responsibility when they make mistakes. But James is actually helping us see, no, like, that's, that's part of life, is, yeah, you're going to make mistakes, so take responsibility when it actually happens, even when it comes to something as major in our lives as sin. Maybe that sits heavy. Maybe that's hard to hear. But James, thankfully, doesn't leave us there <clears throat> because there's, there's good news for our sin. Uh, verse four, let's read verse 14 again. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. So that desire, again, it could be, maybe it's a bad desire initially, but maybe it's a good desire. But if we go to bad things or sinful things to fulfill it, then it becomes sin, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, <clears throat> brings forth death. <clears throat> and maybe... Maybe that's kind of a lie that we've told ourselves or believed as well. That like, oh man, I don't know. That bait's not very big. That sin isn't really that big of a deal, is it? Like everybody does it. I mean, like there's statistics that say 95% of men, 95% of boys are doing this thing. So isn't it normal? Isn't it natural? No. Some of those things are incredibly sinful. And something has to be done about it. We have to take some ownership, and then here's where James steps in and says, hey, but it's not, it's not just on you. Verse 16 says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here's what James says, is that you and I are changing beings. That's part of who we are. We have ups and we have downs. We are not constant. We are not consistent. We have good days where maybe certain sin struggles are not as big of a deal. Maybe the temptation is something that we're able to fight. But other days we, we have times where we're weak, we're small, and we give in to those temptations. We, we gossip. We go back to that secret sin. We, we keep telling ourselves that we're worthless. Whatever it is, whatever that, that desire is that you keep being tempted by, we go back to it. We make mistakes. But God isn't like that. James says that God, the Father of lights, the God who holds all these things together, the God who created you and me, the one who does not tempt us, he's the one who gives good gifts and only good gifts, and he is constant. He is nonstop. He is, he is God, and we are not. And so when you and I encounter sin or encounter the temptation to sin, 
What's the, what's the antidote for that? Where do we go? Where do we turn? Who do we look to in the midst of our like wrestling is the one who isn't doing any of that and remains him through it all. We go to our, the perfect example of steadfastness like we read about last week. The perfect example of faithfulness. The perfect example of, of perfection and, and not giving into temptation. We look to God. That's where we find our comfort. That's where we find our way out. That's where we find our strength when we're weak. That's when we find the ability to run from temptation when we are tempted. And that's where we find ultimate healing for our souls and strengthening of our our ability and will to fight for the times that we will be tempted again in this life. We look to him. So two things this morning. Don't blame others for for the, uh, for the outcome of your choices. And then number two is this. In our ups and downs, God is constant. So the next, next time you find yourself in a, a temptation situation, like you will find yourself there again. James is, is outing that that's a reality of life. When you find yourselves in a temptation situation, remember that it's not God tempting you. That, that this is something that you're struggling with because of your, your own desires and there's a lure out trying to catch you. And that God, in his faithfulness, his consistency, his constancy, he is able to rescue, from that situa- rescue you from that situation. So turn to him, look to him, ask him for help. Ask him for a way out, ask him for a way to flee temptation. And through that situation, here's kind of the crazy thing. We talked last week that, hey, trials and tests, God works all those things out, and he's using them to mold and shape us. I think that in some ways, even though God's not the one who brings the temptation, he uses those battles to strengthen us for the next one. He helps us see, hey, this is how you flee. This is how you fight. This is how you don't give in to temptation. This is, these are the verses that I want you to remember. These are the truths. These are the promises this is the reality of who I am, that every time you face these things, I want you to grasp hold of rather than taking hold of the bait that's in front of you. He uses even our temptations to strengthen us, mold us, like James said, make us more perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'd rather move towards that than continue to struggle falling to temptation over and over and over again. Let me pray for us. God, we all are tempted by by something, maybe it's something that our, our friends are into or uh, something that we struggle with in the quiet, something that we've seen on TV or, or something else, God. We, we all have our own desires and struggles and wrestles with them, and each of us in here is a fallen human. Like, we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. So, God, help us, strengthen us as we face those temptations Don't let us play the blame game. Let us take some responsibility and in the midst of of owning up to our our own struggles and our own desires, would you help us to look to you who has all the answers of how to fight, how to flee, how to run, how to battle temptation every single day. Help us to take a page out of James' book and remember these truths. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.